Hey, church family, it's Chris and Tiffany coming to you with podcast number one in a series of three podcasts about kids and church. And we're so excited to be chatting with you guys about these things. They're very dear to our hearts, and we have really wanted to share the big picture with you and launch with an idea of how to approach kids at church from a a greater perspective. And as we share these podcasts with you, and specifically in this first one, we'll be sharing many resources that Chris and I have found over the years to be helpful. And we wanted to give you more than enough that you could dive into lots and lots of books with incredible tips and tools and perspectives that will help you as parents to not just get your kids ready for church, but more importantly, to disciple your kids' hearts and raise them for the kingdom. So be on the lookout for that. Okay, so in this first part one of three podcasts, we want to share with you the big picture. And so what we want to talk about is having a 30,000 foot perspective, especially for us parents, we can get caught up in the details. Have you ever had that experience where you're seeing nothing but problems with one of your kids and it takes another parent to come alongside you and say, wow, that kid is such a great kid. And you think, okay, wow, big picture. He's, he's doing a pretty good job. I'm lost in the details here. So what we want to do as a church, all of us is maintain a 30,000 foot perspective in this, in this uh, first podcast here and talk about what we can do, um, as a church with kids, as parents with kids in moving toward our goal. And in light of that, the first resource we want to recommend, and this will be the pivotal resource for, I would say our church foundationally speaking in regards to kids in church and raising kids for the kingdom. And that would be a book entitled Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. The author is Paul David Tripp. And over the years, Chris and I have been asked by many people, why don't you guys write a book? Would you please write a book? We'd love it if you guys would share the principles that you've used in raising your kiddos. And I have to say that if we were as smart as Paul David Tripp, as incredibly intelligent as him, this would have been the book that we would have written. We love his his approach. We love what he shares, his worldview, um, his perspectives on raising kids. Just so good. So if you get hold of any resource, get hold of that one. We also want to talk to you today about the sense of urgency that we have, not just in this, in the topic of kids in church, but from the greater picture, what's happening in our world, what's going on all around us. And, and as a result of that, the urgency we have in raising our kids for the kingdom. And Chris and I have this burning in our hearts in regards to the fact that Raising our kids, discipling, training their hearts has to be priority in our lives as parents. You know, obviously our relationship, our intimacy with Jesus, chasing after Jesus is our number one priority individually. And then chasing after that intimacy with Jesus as a couple and next would be our intimacy together as a couple. But after those things, we want to challenge and encourage you that raising your kids for the kingdom, discipling your kids, preparing them to live well in this hour of history 
is our greatest priority. And so we have to ditch any attitudes of laissez-faire parenting that we may have carried. In other words, kind of letting things take their own course, just, yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah, it'll work out kind of attitude. And and that's got to be something we've got to let go of and be very intentional in this hour as we raise our families. We're going to be talking a lot about intentionality as opposed to where we're most comfortable in life, which is the path of least resistance. We also want to put an emphasis on um, discipling and training our kids into kingdom mindsets and priorities. We're not talking about religion and churchianity. I want you to think about this from the perspective of wanting to get our kids saved. Okay, that that previously was the focus for much, you know, for most of us as Christian parents, gosh, all that matters is that we get our kids saved. Well, well, that is important and that is the priority. But let's rethink that and talk about having our kids develop their spiritual gifts as a church, as a community, as parents, teaching them to hear the voice of Jesus, modeling steps of risky faith. So it needs to go way beyond salvation and into uh, incorporating these other ways of thinking into our daily life and into uh, how we behave as a church. And as Chris mentioned earlier, this takes a lot of intentionality. And we're, we're throwing these ideas out to you, and it might feel a little overwhelming, like, gosh, I don't even know where to start with that. I don't know how to do that. Don't worry. We'll get into the details of that in the subsequent podcast. But we want to just cast a vision for you here of... The picture, the call is bigger, it's greater, and it's far more crucial than most of us as parents have been trained to think or to uh, approach parenting with an attitude of. And so we're, we're really challenging us as a church us as a a covenant community together to come up higher and to see our parenting from a kingdom mindset. Chris mentioned modeling steps of risky faith. That's so crucial that our kids see that in our lives. Hearing the voice of Jesus, what does it look like? You know, every four, five, six-year-old starts to have those questions of, how do you hear Jesus's voice? What do you know? How do you know when he's speaking to you? Training them, teaching them actively in those things. There's a couple of resources that we feel are really great in regards to training our kids' hearts and discipling them in the ways of the kingdom. The first one is Shepherding a Child's Heart, and it's by Ted Tripp. And the next is Raising Giant Killers by Bill Johnson. Both of those excellent resources will go into great detail. Shepherding a Child's Heart was one that Chris and I used extensively when our kids were growing up. So grab hold of those. Fantastic book. It really shaped uh, a lot of the way that we thought about parenting And that reminds me of the subject of critical thinking. Honey, can you open that up a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, again, looking at this as a a task that starts with us, us as parents pulling up to a 30,000 foot perspective, us as parents becoming very intentional, having a bigger picture viewpoint What we have to do as parents is we have to then evaluate our own thinking in regards to our parenting. And what I mean by that is this. We have to, as parents, have very sharp, alert, critical thinking. 
And what that causes us to do is as we have a filter of scripture, as scripture becomes the foundation for everything that we do with our kids, everything we say, all of our attitudes, all of our mentalities, we begin to hold things up to the word of God with a sharp, alert, critical mindset, not critical in a negative way, but critically looking at things and and holding them up and saying, do they match up with scripture? What that causes us to do is it pulls us out of worldly mindsets that might be embedded in us that we might not even recognize and really evaluate carefully our paradigms. Chris and I had to do a lot of this as we were starting to raise our kids when they were really little. I I remember taking a parenting class where they challenged us on the idea of training our kids not to pick the flowers in public places. And I remember when we heard that for the first time, I thought, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Why would we teach our kids not to pick flowers in public places? It's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) It just seems so counterintuitive, right? You have this little two-year-old, you can go pick a flower. It's so fun. But they went on to explain in this class that the reason for doing that was because we were to have an otherly minded attitude in our parenting and in training our kids. In other words, what that looks like is other people are going to come along into the park. If we pick the flowers in the park, if everybody else picks the flowers in the park, there will be no flowers left for the person who comes up behind us to enjoy. And to train our children to be otherly minded in that way was a huge paradigm shift for me. And it took a lot of work for me to retrain my thinking That's just one minute example of the big picture of what it looks like to actually learn to think critically, to put everything through a lens of scripture and say, does this really match up with who God has called our family to be as kingdom shapers and as kingdom carriers? We have to think well. We have to teach our children to think well. And that's something that's really missing in this generation. I see it all around us. I see kids who are just kind of on autopilot in their minds from little kids all the way up to college age. And certainly in in the college ages, you see that just this inundation of anti-scriptural thinking. and, And most kids are just ingesting it without even questioning it. We have to teach our children, starting at a very, very young age, to take a look at what they're being told, why they're being told it, hold it up to Scripture, and be able to evaluate it carefully. There's been some some really good books written on that subject. You want to... Uh Yeah, a few of those. Yeah, there's a couple of books we wanted to recommend. Um, the first is How Shall We Now Live by Charles Colson. This one is definitely a, a heavy read. It's a lot of information, but really, really great at challenging those paradigms and holding them up to scripture and saying, okay, where do I as a parent need to have a shift? The second is a book called The Well Trained Mind by Susan Weisbauer. This one I discovered in our homeschooling year. And it's one of those fantastic books that really challenged me to teach my kids to think and to think well. So great if you want to get some really good tools on how to do that. All right. One of the last things that we want to bring up right now is that we must be on guard against things which sabotage our efforts, sabotage our efforts as parents as members of a church body. And this is incredibly important, especially today. And an example of that would be the busyness of today that creates a distracted approach 
uh, the, the self-focus of today. Uh, there's a few books that, that deal with that. You want to mention those real quick before I... Yeah, going back to the idea of busyness, there's a fantastic book that just was released last year called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And I think busyness and distractedness is probably one of the biggest a sabotage elements that the enemy uses in our lives mm. as parents. It keeps us constantly on the go, constantly tired, worn down, stressed out, so that when we even think about the idea of intentionally training our kids for the kingdom, we're just way too tired and we don't have the bandwidth to do it. So we've got to fight against that. We've got to look at our family vision. We've got to look at our activities. We've got to look at the things that are priorities and make sure that busyness isn't overwhelming us. Look, parenting is a, a pay me now or pay me later thing. And, and so what that means is you've got to put in the hard work at one point or another. And what happens for most of us as parents is because of the tyranny of the urgent, because of the pace of life, as we start having kids and start raising kids and we basically get caught up in this cycle of always being busy. And so we elect to not put the hard work in on the front end, thinking that we'll have time later to do more discipline, to be more intentional with instruction with our kids. And what happens is that ends up coming back and biting us in the butt because by the time we realize that we've not made the investment that we need to make, our kids are already pre-adolescence or adolescence and that door has closed. They're really not willing to listen to us at that point. So you've got teenagers who think that their parents are idiots and at that point, we're clamping down really hard because we didn't do the hard work on the front end when they were young. Chris also mentioned self-focus, and I just wanted to touch on this briefly because, again, we live in a culture that preaches a self-focused message. And parenting in its in its nature, the way God designed it, is a sacrifice. We all know that. We all know it takes tremendous 24-7 sacrifice to parent. And so it's easy for us to kind of check out mentally, check out emotionally at times, and just think, well, I'm just going to do this for me. I'm going to focus on this. It could be our career. It could be our ministry. It could be hobbies. It could be lots of different things that we justify and think, yeah, I need this me time. But sometimes me time takes over to where we don't even realize the fact that we no longer have the margin to invest in our kids. And we want to just challenge us as a church to make sure just checking, checking our health of our parenting and make sure that doesn't begin to creep in to where we begin to lose our window with our kids because we're so focused on pursuing the things that we think are going to fulfill us. Something else that can really sabotage our efforts, and this is a big one for me, is the subject of technology. There's actually a really great book on this subject. It's called, it's called Glow Kids by Nicholas Carderas. And we recommend that. But let me just give you a little bit of information regarding how technology is impacting our kids. A couple of years ago, I did a study on this for a, a little parenting class that Tiffany and I had done. When we were raising our kids, 
we came up with this rule that our kids could not have a smartphone until they were basically around their senior year in high school. And <laughs> this was not a very popular decision, as you can imagine. But by the time our youngest son, Landon, was in high school, the fact that he didn't have a smartphone, the, the pendulum had swung a little bit. And it was rather ironic because he ended up being kind of the cool kid. He had this flip phone and it was kind of a relic. And most of the kids thought that he was actually kind of pretty cool because smartphones were completely normal by then. And that speaks to something that's been going on in society. I think that parents are too quick to give their kids technology toys as solutions in the parenting process. Look, I don't have any time right now. Just, just play with this iPad. I don't, I don't have the bandwidth right now to, to deal with this. Let's just put the kids in front of the TV. And it turns out that when it comes to kids and technology and social media, there's one group of parents that is more strict than possibly any other group of parents in society. And that is CEOs and executives of technology companies. What do they know that we don't know? I'll give you a couple examples. There's a former Facebook executive by the name of Chamat Palyapadia. That's a fantastic name to say 10 times in a row. Uh, he says that social media is damaging society and he doesn't give his own kids phones or tech devices. And then there's Sean Parker, who co-founded Napster and that became the president of Facebook. And he says, God only knows what social media is doing to our children's brains he says it was designed to be addictive and he doesn't give his kids smartphones. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs raised their kids tech-free. Apple CEO Tim Cook says that he doesn't have kids, but he doesn't let his own 14-year-old nephew use any social network and he limits his tech time severely. It turns out that Silicon Valley CEOs are consistently much more strict about technology use with their own kids than any other sector of executives. And most of them ban cell phones altogether. That should tell you something. If the people that are aware of the power of this technology are keeping their own kids from it, what does that say to us? I think especially in the challenge of raising kids for the sake of the kingdom, this is one thing that we can look at very honestly and say, okay, that's something we can eliminate from our kids' lives so that we can have margin emotionally, time margin, margin in uh, interaction, social, social interaction, to be able to invest in our kids, to be able to teach them to think critically and to think well, to be able to train them to have a passion and an appetite for the things of the kingdom. And, and kind of to sum it all up, just one last thing to be on our guard against that ties into this is the idea of religion. We've really got to be on our guard, parents, against religion. And I know that sounds maybe a little ridiculous as we're talking about kids at church, but the point is we don't want to allow religion to substitute 
for relationship. And that's something that we have to be intentional about with our children because, again, it would be very easy to say Sunday school checks the box or youth group checks the box or whatever my kid is reading, you know, that I've given them to read, that will check the box. But we've got to push past that religious mindset and say, no, I'm investing for the kingdom. What is that going to look like in my family? So hopefully that gives you a good idea of what it looks like to approach parenting from the big picture. Hopefully we've given you some leaping off points or some starting off points that you can use to talk about with your spouse and begin to check the health of where am I at in my parenting. And then we'll begin to go into more details about kids in church in our next podcast. Part two. Thanks. Thanks for joining us.